Welcome to In the Weeds, a Mindscape podcast. Hey there, welcome to episode number three of season two of the In the Weeds podcast. I'm Pete Brand, Mindscape CEO and co-founder, and I'm joined by... Jeff Bell, Mindscape COO. Hi, everyone. Hello. All right. So today we're going to be talking to you a little bit. Hopefully we've got some salespeople listening into this because we're going to provide basically three steps to modernize your sales approach. Um, I don't know about you, Jeff. Uh, I know. Actually, I do know you've never been in sales before. Right. Uh, but I've been in some aspect of sales now for um, actually about a quarter century. Uh, which is pretty amazing for me to think about, considering the fact that I d- never liked it, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm stuck right in the bowels of it all, and I've got to do it. So, um, but you know, one of the one of the things that, uh, uh, or some of the things that I struggle with from a sales perspective are the same things that most human beings uh, struggle with, and that's insecurity. You know, it's it's the thought about jumping on a phone call or knocking on a door or walking into an office. And trying to find somebody that's willing to give me enough time to be able to, you know, hawk my wares and talk about what it is that I that I believe I can do for them. And uh, you know, it seems easy, right? You just go in and say, "Hey, I'm looking for the person that is is gonna make a decision about this particular product or service, and I'd like five minutes of your time to be able to talk to you about our service." And then someone tells you to kiss their butt, and they slam the door and kick you out, and you walk away with your tail between your legs and find somewhere to go and have a drink. But it, it's, a, it's a really, really challenging uh, proposition to be a salesperson, in my opinion. Um, so I have a lot of respect for people who go out and do that every single day. Um, and obviously, you know, with uh, our, our last episode, we talked quite a bit about HubSpot and, and some of the, you know, amazing things that that tool can provide from a sales perspective. So Jeff, I'd like to have you have you talk a little bit about sales because Although you've never been in sales, that provides you with a certain level of objectivity as you work with other people to modernize their sales approach. Because you don't come along with the baggage of the, yeah, but when this happened before or this or that, and you don't have any of that baggage, so you can very clearly direct people in a very objective way. So the, the first thing, uh, I know we have kind of three questions that we're gonna dive into, but when you're working with uh, a client, uh, and, and the first step of your process is to really help them organize the activities and the efforts that they've got going on right now so that you can actually take a step forward. But talk to me a little bit about what you do from an organizational standpoint with a company. Yeah, well, a lot of it has to do with just getting people out of, you know, a lot of organizations will, <laughs> their, their organization method for tracking deals and opportunities and, and prospects is either in Excel uh, or on a piece of paper. So, you know, you've got the whole, uh, what happens if you get hit by a bus syndrome going on there with, uh, many of the senior salespeople, especially have been around, uh, and are so skilled in the craft yet they write it in uh, a manual. And then what happens, you know, when, when, uh, when they go, uh, either on vacation or anywhere, you know, you lose a lot of that information uh, when it's tracked like that. So organizing the sales team really revolves around uh, getting it out, getting those deals, getting those opportunities and contacts out of the pencil and paper world or out of Excel and into something that can can more 
easily be leveraged. Uh, and in our platform of choice, obviously for that is, is the HubSpot CRM. But um, some of what I do in the very beginning is the very first thing is to build a pipeline. And a pipeline, if, if you're not familiar with that, really is just a series of steps within a, a sales process. So generally, you know, there might be uh, first, you're going to have a first call to assess fit and, and uh, an opportunity there. And then, hey, if your product will fit, then we're going to lead you to the next call. Uh, here, we're going to diagnose a little bit how we can help you. And then maybe the next one is now we're going to, um, you know, uh, maybe there's some negotiation here. We, we might have sent an SOW, but there's, there's always some set steps to a sales process. And the, so the first step there is to build out that sales process into a pipeline. Um, and then we start to refine that. So we, uh, once we've got those steps in there, then I like to know what helps, what is required to move a deal from one, uh, the say step one to step two, you know, do you need to know first name, last name, email, phone number in order to move to step two? Do you need to know, you know, just first name, last name, phone number, and, um, you know, maybe a, a product or a solution or a service that they're interested in. And then that allows the CRM to adapt to how your company works. So I always say that one of the biggest problems with, with most CRM packages is, is they ask too much information at the wrong time. And to get a deal in, you've got to enter, all right, when, when is it going to close? How much is it going to be? Who is it for? Uh, you know, I'll, what's the, you know, I'm March 15th. What's the lunar phase? Like all of these things. And HubSpot really gets out of the way and allows you to, to tweak it very easily to the information that you need at certain steps of the sales process and only that information. You can make it required, you can make it optional, but it's prompted right in front of the salesperson's face. So, you know, they know they only need to fill out these four fields to move it over to step two. So that's really what I do uh, from the organization standpoint is just kind of organize the steps of the process, the data that we need to gather at each one of those steps and um, and then do some training with the sales staff over a series of weeks to 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 get them used to uh, using a CRM to begin with. And then a tweak that helps to also tweak the process, add maybe some more required or optional fields along the way. But a lot of that goes a long way in helping the, the staff get organized, communicate the same way uh, and make sure everyone's on the same page with with where deals are at. Uh, throughout the sales process. So it's, it sounds to me like, you know, when you're addressing modernizing sales and working with someone, you're not following like the old Tom Hopkins approach where he would teach you canned lines to be able to say <laughs> like, you know, if, if I could show you a way to make an additional million dollars in revenue, you'd be interested, would you, as you're shaking <laughs> your head, trying to get them to say yes. So it's not necessarily, when you're focused on modernizing the sales approach, you're you're more looking at, how do I look at this process in the different events that occur along that timeline and use those different events as triggers to be able to, to move into that next stage? But at the same time, you're utilizing a technology platform to be able to gather the information and keep it at each of those steps. Right. So that you can actually have a predictable process that you work through in an organized manner 
Um, and then hopefully that predictable process leads to predictable outcomes. Exactly. Yeah, because once you once you start to move people through a defined process, you can start to get you know your conversion rates from uh, step one to step two, step two to step three, step three to step four. Which then, you, if you do the math backwards, you can start to understand how many meetings, how many appointments, how many leads you need, how many qualified opportunities you need in that funnel to get to a certain number on the out on the on the backside. Okay. So all of that leads to very predictable results at that point. But you just need to track it. All right. So you don't you don't go into it in the initial organized phase with the assumption that you're gonna set it up perfectly and everything's going to work awesome, right? No, not at all. Yeah. So so that that kind of leads us to the second area of your process, which is is probably the one that salespeople like the most. And and whether they admit it or not, salespeople in my opinion, um the the really good ones don't have a problem saying the same things over and over and over again in the same way shape <laughs> or form. Salespeople like me, however, which I do not include myself in that other category, tend to want to optimize everything I say all the time. And I want to adapt because I don't like saying the same things over and over again. And, and that kind of puts me in a position where I'm not going to get those predictable outcomes because it's kind of choose your own adventure. You know, you, I'm talking to someone, I see what they're interested in, and I talk about that. And then I ask them what they want to hear next, and I talk about that. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you approach optimization once you move beyond that first step and you've already organized everything. Yeah. So once, once everything's organized and we've got st- the sales staff putting deals in, uh, tracking those opportunities, uh, you know, associating contacts and companies with deals, that type of stuff. We then start to, uh, the focus turns into optimizing their time. So we want to start taking away some of that administrative time of follow-ups, right? Like every salesperson hates the follow-up. And how many times do you write on your piece of paper? You know, like, oh, I've called Joe at, you know, Acme, uh, you know, manufacturing because, you know, follow up on this opportunity or this conversation we had. Um, a lot of things can slip through the cracks, and so you spend a lot of time just doing administrative follow-up type things. So we move into then a lot of templatizing and sequencing and, and sales automation at that point. So we'll take... So, so talk to me about a little bit of those, because I, yeah. I don't know that everyone understands sequencing. and Yeah. During the, uh, during the CRM implementation... Um, one of the things I'm looking at is uh, emails. I'm not only making sure that the, the staff is using the system to track emails, but I'm also going through some of the emails and seeing if I can find any common threads between either salespeople or there's maybe one salesperson or two salespeople who are constantly sending the same type of message. What I can do then is we can put those into an email template. And this is um, similar to a, a, like a marketing template you might send out, like a newsletter. But this pulls right into your email client. Uh, or you can access it within the HubSpot CRM. But re- essentially, it just looks like a personal email that you'd send from your inbox. There's no graphics or anything like that. I suppose there could be, but generally there's, there's not. It just looks like you typed an email and sent it. So I'll use some of those emails that salespeople are sending and um, put them in a template. That allows the salespeople then to go into the software or their inbox and just select the template from one that's uh, existing there. Then they can customize it. And, and send it out. So 
you know, when you've got a lot of communication that happens and it's often the same types of communication, hey, just following up on this, you know, hey, wanted to check in with you on that. Um, and it's, you know, often over the course of many weeks, maybe many touch points, copy pasting, or you go look up your, your first email and you copy that and you paste it to the next person. We can get rid of a lot of that through email templates. Um, and then we can start as part of the optimization phase. Also, once we start using those templates, we can see actually which ones are most performant. So we can see, um, you know, if, if template one performs better than template two as far as open rates or click-through rates. And then once we find one that's really dialed in, we can share that with the entire sales staff. And now anytime anyone needs to do that task, they can select that template and send it out uh, and know that that message with that subject line is, is what has gotten the most results up to that point. So that's really on the template side. On the automation side, there's a couple pieces of that. Uh, the first is kind of taking those templates we were just talking about and stringing them together in what's called a sequence. And sequences really are there to manage non-response. And typically, that always happens when you put a dollar figure in front of a, of a prospect. So you say, hey, here's our proposal, uh, or here's your, you know, here's your statement of work. And um, they see a dollar sign. And then what was a great relationship with many emails back and forth uh, over a couple days turns into, um, you know, the twilight zone. And there's you, you can hear crickets chirping. So um, sequences really allow you to automate that non-response. So you could string together a series of five emails to be sent over, you know, the course of two weeks maybe. And email one can go out maybe at the beginning of, of the sequence, then that can just be a, hey, I just want to make sure you got the statement of work. Uh, just following up, let me know if you have any questions. Maybe email two comes three days later, email three, and so on. So you can put delays in between those in, and enroll someone in that sequence. And then as soon as they reply, they get kicked out of the sequence and they allow you to sit back in the driver's seat again. So that's really the automation around sequences. And then there's deal automation. So I just was working with a client where, um, you know, they often kind of have, it's almost like two deals going on at once. They've got their immediate opportunity, but then they also, if, if they do well, basically, there's this kind of pent up opportunity that's potential opportunity out there. And they wanted to track both. So they, uh, they're tracking just the, the, the initial opportunity first. And, but then they're also recording if there's any uh, upside opportunity or any potential opportunity after that. And then we have some deal automation. So anytime that deal gets moved to a closed one status, um, after 30 days, the salesperson is given a task to uh, follow up with that with that contact to see if they can get the uh, additional business. So that again is, it kind of is helping on the organizing side, but it's really helping optimize that person's time because now they don't have to remember that, oh, I've got to go back and follow up, see if we can get any further business. It, it's put into the system. It's operationalized at that point. Uh, and now any new person who comes into the organization from a sales perspective can uh, leverage that same technology. So that's really kind of uh, the the bulk of the, the things around optimizing is just kind of measuring what's happening and then tweaking it um, to, to make it the most performant that we can. 
Yeah, I like it. It, it. You know, when I think of optimization, obviously, because I'm a marketer, I think of, um, you know, search engine optimization or performance optimization or something like that. But, but, but really what you're doing, and, and actually this is, this, this helps me realize that you're more credible than I originally gave you credit for because, <laughs> I mean, I think about a guy who's never been in sales working with salespeople. Uh, I'm sure salespeople are going to be like, they don't know what, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But really what you're doing is you're helping them optimize the administrative tasks that right. they go through every single day. So it may not necessarily optimize their results in the end because you have to have the skills of a salesperson and you're not subscribing to be a master salesperson. Right. Right. Yep. You're just looking at all of those tasks and activities that they have to go about, whether it's email or whatever, and, and giving them a way to do that in a very streamlined and efficient manner. Yeah, and in fact, you know, when I first got into this or started to dip my toe into it, I was terrified because I have never been a salesperson, but I realized very quickly, I'm not teaching salespeople how to sell. I'm just teaching them how to use the technology and they're teaching me how they sell so that I can build the technology around them, right. really. And so. fortunately, salespeople are nice people, so none of them have chewed you up and spit right. you Right, exactly. So, not perfect. yet, not yet. All right, well, that leads us to the third and final question of, of this episode, and that's that's really around you know the alignment piece. So you've you've helped a sales team or a, a, an organization you know, uh, organize their sales efforts, their database and all that stuff. You've helped them optimize those administrative tasks that they're going to take on a day-to-day basis. And, and now really it's about aligning the team or, or the sales team along with the marketing team whose responsibility is to get them leads. So, so talk to me about, A, why is it important to be able to align sales and marketing? And, and what are some of, the, some of the ways that you feel you can do that effectively? Yeah. So, um, a lot of that alignment, like you say, is between the sales and marketing departments, because, uh, often there is just this internal battle between sales and marketing teams where marketing kind of says, well, Hey, I got you 200 leads last week. What happened to them? And sales says, well, all of those leads were, were crap. That's kind of where the everlasting battle, uh, starts from. So getting those teams, really focused on, on being less of individual teams and more of uh, a revenue team because that's that's essentially what sales and marketing both do. They are both revenue generating teams. So the first thing I like to do is is create a service level agreement, <clears throat> excuse me, between sales and marketing. So essentially on a monthly basis or quarterly, whatever it happens to be, I would recommend monthly just because it's it's quicker that Every month, sales or marketing will deliver to sales 200 qualified leads, you know, substitute 200 with whatever number makes sense for your organization. Uh, and sales will call uh, blank percent of those within 24 hours. Now, what substitute the 24 hours with whatever level of service you're going to provide to the marketing team and substitute the X percent with whatever percentage. But um, hopefully it's going to be 100 percent within at least 24 hours because our window of patience is, is certainly shortening. Once we get that service level agreement in place, I also like to put a shared revenue goal. So we have the sales and marketing teams both um, commit to a shared revenue goal over the course of a year. So by, you know, over the course of 2019, for example, or over the course of current year, um, you know, we together as sales and marketing teams want to generate 
uh, you know, $1 million of new business, whatever that happens to be. That way, then, when you're talking about your results, you can talk about your results together as far as revenue goes, rather than, well, we have these lead goals and we delivered these leads to you and we have these close goals and, and we weren't able to close them because your leads were bad. And so then that sets up the fight, whereas switching it to a revenue goal um, helps everyone align better because now marketing will self-correct when the leads are bad, right? Because they're not hitting a lead goal anymore. They need to hit a revenue goal. And likewise, sales will self-correct if they can't close it and there's process or messaging things. And now they can work together. Hey, marketing, what was the landing page you were sending these people to? What are we saying on there? What's our message? I can't seem to close these deals for some reason. Um, so it doesn't matter then who's quote unquote fault it is because everyone's aligned behind this single revenue number. Kind of the, one of the last things I like to do there <clears throat> as, as part of this alignment, and this is delivered through an alignment workshop, but uh, is to, to really have the ideal customer profile and then to have a, a matrix where on one axis you, you have attributes that define a good fit or bad fit. Um, and you, you kind of want to do this as, as a list. So it's a list of attributes in a B2B world. It's a list of attributes for a company. So maybe annual revenue, number of employees, vertical, um, that type of stuff. Uh, and then for a, a B2C company, it's going to be a list of attributes, almost, um, similar to like a buyer persona. So, um, married, has three children, drives a minivan, uh, travels within 25 miles a day, something like that. Um, so you want to have just a list of attributes that make someone a good fit or a bad fit. And then um, uh, along the other axis, you then want actions that you can measure that decide if they are sales ready or not sales ready. And then you basically break that up into a, a, a grid with four quadrants. And then so you've got good fit and um, uh, sales ready. Those immediately go to sales. And then you've got maybe good fit, not sales ready. Those go to marketing. Now marketing can nurture those to make sure that they're uh, sales ready. Uh, and then you've got kind of the bad fit, not sales ready. Just ignore those. Don't spend any time. They're never going to be a good fit. And then you've got the, the bad fit, but sales ready. Oftentimes you can direct those to sales um, because those are typically hand raisers a lot of times where they're just like, hey, I've done my research. I just want to talk to somebody. They may or may not be a good fit, um, but hand raisers should always just go right to, right to sales. But, so that's kind of that, um, that, that sales ready matrix that I also like to put together. And that's something that is a collaborative effort between sales and marketing teams. But uh, between that service level agreement, a shared revenue goal, and then this uh, the sales readiness matrix, um, you know, that goes a long way to getting those those teams aligned and uh, optimizing that flow from visitor to, to customer. So uh, with that, 
Uh, we've talked about then uh, really uh, three steps to modernizing your sales approach. One is uh, helping sales teams organize their teams, uh, optimize their processes, so reducing administrative time, and then aligning the sales and marketing team. So there's your uh, our three topics for this uh, subject. And, uh, and uh, take us out, Pete. All right. Yeah, so good stuff today, man. I, I love... Uh, I love looking at sales from a different perspective other than the insecurity that comes along (laughs) with the hunting part of it. Uh, And it helps me realize that there are easier ways. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway, for those of you out there, be sure to check out our website at wearemindscape.com forward slash in the weeds. You can also visit our social channels at wearemindscape. Or if you want to tweet or ask us a question or communicate with us at all, use the hashtag in the weeds podcast. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way and just go ahead and send us an email at intheweeds at wearemindscape.com. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye, everyone.